Hey, you're tuned in to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. My name is uh, Scott. We're going to continue on with another segment of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Let me tell you, internet, doing these podcasts, internet is king. I did a segment yesterday, and for some reason, it went off into the abyss. We lost it. So we're trying it again. So we've had, you know, we've been, been going at episode 61 for a while now. I got a feeling 62 comes pretty quick after 61 now. Talking about the Florida Gators game against Utah. I mentioned this in the segment that disappeared, but we'll talk about it some more. I'm kind of well-versed on the subject now since this is our second go-around about Florida losing to Utah. Utah won the game 24 to 11. There was some execution problems, penalties, penalties, really hurt Florida in the game. But overall, you can't blame it on all of that or red zone deficiencies, yada, yada, yada. But what I would say is, but what I would say is it came down to Utah being more physical on both lines of scrimmage. But overall, just Utah being a more physical team, at least on this particular night. Utah was more physical than the Florida Gators, no doubt. You're talking about the back-to-back Pac-12 champions winning the Pac-12 championship game two years in a row. Utah's strong. They got, you know, they're well-coached. They're physical. Florida beat them last year, but that was in Gainesville. Home field advantage, that means something, too. Utah was jacked up for revenge to get back at Florida. And besides, they got a good team. I'm told they had a lot of players coming back. They had a couple of players that were injured, which I thought might have neutralized or equalized things. But Utah was the more physical team. Heck, they won the game 24 to 11. Florida didn't score a touchdown until the fourth quarter. So Florida's got to go to the drawing board, figure out how to get the guys to play more physical if they can, because Coach Napier's recruited the players. You know, in some of the press conferences, Coach Napier said, hey, the roster's improved. So, you know, I'm expecting better things. This is just one game, but a tough game it was on the road. You're pointing toward the season opener for weeks and weeks and weeks. And, you know, Florida laid an egg. I could say some nice things about it. If I want to say nice things about Florida, I can say, well, hey, the defense only gave up 24 points. Right? The offense only scored 11. It was relatively a low-scoring game uh, for college football in 2023. Everybody's scoring a lot of points now. The Gator defense improving, and that's a fantastic thing because in the BigJReport.com Facebook group, I'm getting everything from Coach Napier's not the answer. Um, Florida lost both lines of scrimmage. And everybody's got their opinion, but again, it's just one game, but a big game it was. The season opener is always huge. Florida won it last year. Then Florida, man, they got derailed during the season last year, lost their last three games and finished six and seven. Where do things go now? Do we see a do we see remarkable improvement in game two? Florida's got a couple of, you know, I can talk about Georgia playing 
the UT Martin, uh, the UT Martin Skyhawks. I can talk all day about you know the cream puffs on Georgia's schedule, but Florida's got a couple of cream puffs in September as well to get a little bit more healthier. I know they're playing the University of North Carolina Charlotte 49ers. That should be a win. Should be a win. Boy, let Napier lose that one. Man. Um, you know, good friend of ours in the Facebook group, uh, Mr. Pringle, said, man, they're, they're giving them, they're giving the Gators and Napier the business on sports radio. Well, they're, they're, yeah, they're going to do that. You lose, they're going to do that. Florida during the game was, man, the point spread changed so much on this game. You know, several weeks ago, Florida was like an eight-point underdog. You know, then it went down to five. You know, I think Utah had a player or two that was going to be out, and they actually had a player or two that did not play. Um, so the point spread went from eight to five, with Utah favored, of course, in both instances. The point spread went back up to six and a half, and then I never saw it, but I had people telling me it went back down to four, four and a half points right before kickoff. Some Florida fans or somebody had laid some money on Florida, got the point spread down a little bit before kickoff. That was a moving point spread for several weeks. But ultimately, Florida lost the game. Utah covered the spread. They won by 13. Utah 24. The Florida Gators 11. Other college football openers had Notre Dame just destroying the Naval Academy. My goodness. That was in Dublin, Ireland, too. Right, right in Ireland, the Fighting Irish play the ultimate, the the ultimate uh, home home field, right? Home field advantage. Notre Dame won the game forty-two to three. USC killed San Jose State. USC's a top ten team. I think they're they're probably around ninth or tenth in the polls now. Um, Mercer playing football. I don't know how many years the Mercer Bears have played football up near Macon, but. I remember, I think they played JU one year back when the JU Dolphins had a football program. So Mercer's been playing football for over 10 years or longer. I'll have to check the the history books on that. But Mercer beat North Alabama, a program that Coach Bobby Bowden's son, Terry Bowden, coached just a few years ago. Uh, Terry, um, at last I heard he's retired from coaching. He coached at Auburn at one time. Had a really, one really, really good season at Auburn, I remember. I remember Florida kicked a field goal on him, and uh, the last thing, the, what my my uh, my memory of Terry Bowden on the sidelines at Auburn was him kicking the dirt on the sidelines a few times. He did have that one good year. Auburn, I think, went undefeated when they were on probation, as I recall, giving you some college football history. That's going back a number of years ago, though. So Florida loses the opener, Utah 24, Florida 11. That was a you know a rare Thursday night, August 31st opener for the Florida Gators. Um, I mentioned USC beat, I believe they blew out blew out San Jose State. Uh, the Mercer Bears 17, North Alabama 7 was the final in that one. And again, the Notre Dame Navy game was like 42 to 3. Notre Dame 42, Navy 3 last Saturday. And that was way back, I believe, on, what, August 26th. So those were some of the first games of college football. There's been other games, too. Um, Heck, Vanderbilt played Hawaii. 
They beat them last year. I think they beat them this year too. Let me look up. Let me look up that score real quick. Vanderbilt versus Hawaii. Again, we've been challenged by the internet. Um, we really have. I mean, when I do a, uh, I have to figure out our internet issues at the moment. Um, when I do a about an eight or nine minute segment, and only like one minute and a half comes out of that. You know, you got some you got some issues somewhere down the pike with the internet. Um, Vanderbilt and Hawaii. Uh, this was uh, Vandy's opener, and everybody, some people told me that Vandy won the game. Uh, I will uh, attempt to pull up the score. Give me a second here. Vanderbilt is one and zero. They won that game. Was it thirty five to twenty? Wow. Okay. So Vandy, Vandy wins their opener. It kind of puts them toward the top of the SEC, doesn't it? And um, that's right. Vanderbilt uh, wins their season opener. Vandy beat the Hawaii Rainbows. Gosh, where did that score go? I just saw the score a minute ago. Um, Vandy beat them last year, too. Vanderbilt's got a better team. They might be better than Missouri. In the SEC East, we picked Vandy, I think, uh, sixth out of the seven teams in the SEC East. I think we got them slightly ahead of Missouri. Vandy's got a better team. They got a pretty good coach, a guy that actually played at Vanderbilt back in the day. Um, Vanderbilt won the game. Vanderbilt 35, Hawaii 28. It was not a pretty second half, but Vanderbilt is 1-0. So that's some of what's been going on in college football. We've got to get to this. Uh, we got to get to this Jaguars fifty-three man roster. There was a couple of surprises on it, but from top to bottom, the Jaguars from top to bottom, they really have a good roster. Again, there was a couple of surprises. The practice squad, sixteen slot practice squad. Man, the Jaguars got some talent on the practice squad. It's kind of like, man, our practice squad can beat your practice squad, and that's probably true in the case of the Jaguars. Man, they've got talent from top to bottom probably better than they've had in, in in numerous years um it's the first undefeated preseason since like the late 1990s for the jaguars not that undefeated preseasons mean much but in this case i'm gonna say it does because they beat all the teams that jaguars beat they really beat convincingly and basically won the game like in the first, second, or third quarter. When the starters played, they played well. We'll talk about that 53-bed roster coming up next if we can get everything to process properly here on the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Okay, you're tuned into the Teal Shirt Report podcast. We're going to talk some some more college football. The Florida Gators lose their opener 24-11 to to Utah back on Thursday night. Kind of unconventional opening on a Thursday night, August 31st. Uh, the Gators lose their football game 24-11 to at Utah. The key thing for me was we know there were penalties. Florida committed mistakes not scoring, you know, when they got the ball into Utah territory. 
And the game was, it was a physical side of the game. Utah was more physical than Florida, in my opinion. And that's going to have to change. The SEC is waiting on Florida now. Utah beat Florida 24 to 11 back on Thursday night, August the 31st. Coach Deion Sanders, he's got a couple of sons playing for him, too. One of the guys is a quarterback that I think threw for over 400 yards passing or more. And Colorado won a shootout in their opener at TCU. Let me look up the score in that one. I believe it was, um, was it 45-42? to 42? Colorado won that game, their season opener. They won it on the road. So you really got to give uh, Coach Deion Sanders some credit as they defeated TCU absolutely on the road. And, you know, it was, it was uh, Coach Prime's debut, college football, Coach uh, Prime's debut coaching Colorado for Deion Sanders. Colorado won the football game, Colorado 45, and TCU 42, the final score. Internet, well, Internet's not always our best friend because sometimes it affects us with the podcast here, technically. We're going to take a look at the 53-man roster. Uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's take a look at the 53-man roster. The Jaguars keeping seven wide receivers. Uh, Kind of a bold move, actually. Keeping seven wide receivers, three tight ends. The Jaguars' 53-man roster. You know, the offensive line has been beat up some. Jags, you know, keeping maybe a guy or two you didn't expect they would keep. The practice squad looks very, very strong, and the Jaguars roster overall looks really good from top to bottom. Let's take a look at the 53 guys, the 53-man roster uh, for the Jaguars, the 2023 rookie class well represented. The Jaguars keeping seven wide receivers is a bit of a bold move, but Elijah Cooks earned it. Wide receiver Elijah Cooks is on the team. He basically became the seventh receiver on the roster alongside the top guy, Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley is probably the number one wide receiver. uh, Creates a deep threat for quarterback Trevor Lawrence. So Calvin Ridley is the number one wide receiver. Christian Kirk has got to be 1B. Zay Jones, probably the third receiver on the team. Then you got Jamal Agnew, more of a kick returner, but he does play on offense, play some slot receiver. So Jamal Agnew is on this roster as a wide receiver slash kick returner. Tim Jones made the team as he did last year. He's a good special teams player. Plus, he showed enough as a wide receiver to make the team in the last preseason game that the Jaguars had, you know, when they played the Dolphins at home. Had won that football game. In the second half, C.J. Beathard threw a long touchdown pass. I think it was over 70 yards, about 71 yards. To Tim Jones, his only catch of the game, but it went for a long 70-yard, 71-yard touchdown pass from, I'm going to have to check the, the yardage on this, but I believe it was 71 yards. 
Tim Jones makes one catch. It's a long touchdown catch that kind of submitted, kind of cemented his roster uh, spot on the Jaguars roster. And Parker Washington, the six-round pick at a Penn State, also does some, you know, some punt and maybe kick returning. Uh, six-round pick at a Penn State, Parker Washington is one of the seven wide receivers on the roster. Um, the Jaguars have three tight ends on the team. They do. They've got three tight ends on the team, which is a little bit surprising. A lot of people thought they'd keep four tight ends, but they're keeping three on the roster. You know, of course, Evan Ingram, who recently signed a three-year contract with the Jaguars. They also uh, kept Farrell, you know, basically Farrell um, at tight end. Luke Farrell was a, you know, I would say, no doubt, an Urban Meyer selection in 2021 when Shad Khan was given Urban Meyer the keys to the car and said, well, well, who are you comfortable with being the GM? And he chose to you know, keep Trent Baalke around. So Luke Farrell's a tight end that played for Urban Meyer at Ohio State. He's one of the three tight ends on the roster. You got Evan Ingram, basically your top tight end. Uh, Luke Farrell, who's improved as a blocking tight end. And you got Britton, uh, Britton Strange, the second-round draft pick out of Penn State. Those are absolutely your uh, three tight ends. We will talk more about the 53-man roster coming up. We'll take a look at North Florida Entertainment and more. We'll continue with the Jags' 53-man roster coming up next as the Teal Shirt Report podcast continues. Hey, thank you for listening. Okay, welcome back into the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Going to talk more about the 53-man roster, which is still going to be changing and changing almost every week or every other day. But when they made the cutdowns, these are the guys that were the 53. Of course, quarterback Trevor Lawrence, quarterback C.J. Beathard, um, two quarterbacks being kept. Rourke, the third-string guy has landed on the practice squad, and the Jaguars got a really strong 16-player practice squad. But right now we're just taking a look at the 53-man uh, roster of the 53 that was cut down to 53 basically on the last day or two of August. Again, we'll, you know, we talked about the tight ends and wide receivers earlier. We'll go back through it all now, including – Quarterback Trevor Lawrence, he's a starter. At quarterback C.J. Beathard, your backup. Uh, quarterback Rourke ended up on the practice squad, and that's a good thing for the Jaguars, and I believe for Rourke, too. The practice squad guys are actually making more money now than they used to. It's fairly lucrative to, to be on an NFL practice squad. So the running back situation as of right now, running back Travis Etienne Jr., as you know, he's a starting running back for the Jags. He's going to be on the roster. Tank Bigsby right now is projected as the number two running back for the Jaguars, the third-round um, rookie selection out of Auburn. is probably the number two guy on the depth chart. Running back Dearness Johnson, a free agent, uh, number 25, 
who obviously running back Deuners Johnson scored, I believe, three touchdowns in the preseason, had a good preseason. When he filled in for Nick Chubb in Cleveland, had one game, I think he got about 145 yards rushing in a game, filling in for some, some injured starting running backs for Cleveland. So this guy can do it when given the opportunity. So you got four running backs on this roster. And by the way, I understand Snoop Connor, who got cut, is headed to the practice squad for the Jaguars. So you got Travis Etienne as your starting running back. Second string is Tank Bigsby. Tank Bigsby, a rookie out of Auburn. Third-round selection is going to play a lot. Running back, Dearness Johnson, I think he'll get into some games and play some. You got a guy like running back Dearness Johnson, especially if you have any injury issues as the season rolls on. He's your third string running back, running back Dearness Johnson. When you want to talk about how deep this roster is, you got to think about running back Jermichael Hasty, who had a couple of really pretty good runs um, in the last preseason game against the Dolphins, the game in which the Jaguars won. Man, it's been. I think since the late 90s that the Jaguars had an undefeated preseason, whether that means anything or not, winning in the preseason, I think in this case it does because of the simple fact is you got a much better roster from top to bottom. It was tough to cut this roster down to 53 players. Jamichael Hasty was basically the second running back on this team last year. This year he's the fourth. He made the roster as the fourth, basically the fourth running back. Calvin Ridley, your number one wide receiver, has obviously been uh, kept as one of the 53. Wide receiver Christian Kirk. Zay Jones, the number three guy. You got Jamal Agnew. He kind of doubles for, you know, a kick returner slash wide receiver slot guy. Jamal Agnew is kind of considered the fourth wide receiver, I think, at this juncture. Uh, Parker Washington, a rookie out of Penn State, drafted in the sixth round, has made the team. You know, it's probably the fifth wide receiver at this juncture. Um, you do have Tim Jones, who kind of submitted, kind of cemented his roster spot when he caught that long touchdown pass against the Dolphins in the final preseason game. I think it was over 70 yards. One catch over 70 yards for a touchdown. So Tim Jones showed some big playability, plus he plays well in special teams. He's basically the number six wide receiver for the Jaguars. And the Jaguars kept a seventh guy, wide receiver Elijah Cooks. Seven wide receivers, that's a bit of a stretch. The roster is going to turn over a good bit. It will. It'll turn over, especially the bottom of the roster, turn over every two or three days. Some guy gets hurt. When we talk about injuries, Devon Hamilton, the nose guard, the defensive tackle, is on IR. Gaylor, John Gaylor, our correspondent, contributor, and supporter of the podcast, told me he thinks he's going to be out at least four weeks or more. Probably could be his back within four weeks even being on the IR. But that opens up a spot because the guys on the IR aren't the guys on the IR injured reserve, the early IR. Not the all-season IR, but the IR where players can come back and play in a few weeks. Um, it opens up a spot. Devon Hamilton is on IR. They're going to miss him. Defensive tackle, nose tackle, 
depending on what kind of an alignment the defense is showing. Um, I think typically they're playing a 3-4, but Devon Hamilton's going to miss at least the first, I would say, month of the season or more. Tight end Evan Ingram. Tight end Evan Ingram had a really monster year for the Jaguars. I think his big telling stat was the fact that his yardage after the catch was around 10 and a half yards a catch. Tight end Evan Ingram, your number one tight end. You got Brenton Strange, the second round rookie out of Penn State, is probably your second tight end. He'll block, he'll catch a ball now and then, a few passes. Luke Farrell has really improved his blocking a good bit. And he'll he'll get some passes for you, too. Uh, Luke Farrell is your number three tight end. And right now, and th- this could change tomorrow, the next day, next week, or next month. Um, you just have three tight ends on the roster right now. you got seven wide receivers. you got Evan Ingram at tight end. That's made the team. Brenton Strange, a tight end rookie out of Penn State. Second round pick. Tight end Luke Farrell, a 2021 pick. I mean, he was an Urban Meyer pick. He played for Urban Meyer at Ohio State. But he's been on this roster now. This will be his third year. He's really improved a lot of his game, particularly blocking from the tight end position. So you got three tight ends on the roster. Walker Little is an offensive tackle. He's going to start at left tackle. There's a chance when Cam Robinson comes back after his four weeks of being suspended for PEDs, there's a chance, and we've heard this, that Cam Robinson could go to left tackle and Walker might play some left guard. But right now, for the first four games of the season, Walker Little is going to be your starting left tackle. You got Ben Barch at left guard. He looked pretty good in the, the game against the Dolphins that the Jaguars you know, won that football game, I believe, 31-18. to 18. When the offense looked really good for the Jaguars in the first two long series that they were in, uh, Barch, he was playing with the first-teamers, and it does appear he'll start at left guard now when the season opens against the Indianapolis Colts on September the 10th, 1 o'clock kickoff at Indianapolis. Luke Fortner is going to be your starting center. These are guys that have all made the team. Right guard Brandon Shear may end up in the Pro Bowl, and he affects the right tackle. The right tackles had some shoulder soreness trying to battle through that Right tackle, offensive tackle, right tackle, Anton Harrison starting as a rookie at right tackle. Those are your starters across the offensive line. Cooper Hodges has made this team. He's had some, you know, he's had some injury issues. He's an offensive lineman. He's on this football team. And this it's I mean, it's interesting. Here comes uh, Cooper Hodges, right? Jaguars making their cuts. They they announced the initial 53-man roster. Cooper Hodges is on the initial roster. There's some injured players that don't count against the 53 right now. When they come back, you know what happens. They'll have to make some moves. They'll absolutely have to make a move on players. Ben Barch, the guard, playing left guard, has made the team, of course. He's in a big year. Left guard Ben Barch moving into his fourth year with the Jaguars which means he's in the last year of his four-year rookie contract. Luke Fordner, big second year for Luke out of Kentucky. Luke Fordner 
Big pickup in the draft last year in uh, 2022 for the Jaguars. Brandon Shear, you know, really a guy that's capable of being an all-pro. Free agent signing going into last season for the Jaguars. This will be his second year with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Offensive tackle, right tackle Anton Harrison, been battling off and on during training camp. Some, some shoulder soreness in his right shoulder. Number 76, Anton Harrison, will be penciled in to be the starting right tackle. Cooper Hodges has made this team as a rookie offensive lineman and a backup. So we go down and uh, move around. Let's see. Got Tyler Shatley's on this team as a backup. He's had some AFib issues. You know, I'm, I'm sure they'll be keeping an eye on the situation, you know, throughout the season. But he's basically your backup at left guard and center primarily. Uh, Cole Van Lannon is on this team. And then you look at the defensive line guys, Roy Roberts and Harris. We'll get to the defense in a moment. Let me go back over the offensive line guys. Anton Harris, Harrison, a rookie. Um, Tyler Shatley on this team. He's been on this team for a long time. Cole Van Lannon is a guy the Jaguars acquired last year. He's a backup offensive lineman. Um. We'll talk more about the defense. The first guy, you know, we do want to talk about is Roy Robertson Harris. He's going to be very key and important in the middle of that defensive line for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll talk more about the 53-man roster coming up. It's Again, it's ever-changing. You get a player injured. You get a player coming back from an injury, and then you've got to, you know, change the bottom part of that roster out again. The Jaguars have been solid all training camp and preseason with their roster uh, from top to bottom. We'll talk more about the Jaguars 53-man roster. Coming up, you're tuned in to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Hey, we'll be right back. Okay, so episode show number 61, we salute the movie 61. That was about Roger Maris hitting home runs and and Mickey Mantle also in that season. Great movie called 61. Also saluting Bobby Evans, number 61, offensive lineman with the Jaguars. How long will he be on the roster? Well, let's go to the 53 to make sure he's still on there. And the Jaguars need depth across the offensive line, of course. College football is well underway. It is now Sunday morning, September the 3rd. And we're going to get back to the 53-man roster. Florida lost to Utah 24-11. Edward Waters lost a Division II game. They're, they play Division II ball. Um, I think they had recently had a new stadium built. Uh, near the college, which is now known as uh, University, Edward Waters University. They lost their first game, Florida Memorial 38, Edward Waters University 21. Notre Dame back on, let's see, August 26, beat Navy 42-3. USC beat San Jose State 56-28. USC has won a second game now. They beat Nevada 66-14. Could USC be a playoff team? Not only... Could they be a playoff team? But they're probably going to move from the Pac-12 this year to the Big Ten next year. USC and UCLA both on the move. 
I mean, I believe Washington is on the move to the Big Ten, too. Washington beat Boise State, blew them out. Texas beat Rice, 37 to 10. Michigan, 30. East Carolina, three. A few of the college football scores uh, recently. Georgia, no trouble at all with the Sky, the Skyhawks of UT Martin. Georgia, 48. UT Martin, seven. Again, Washington Huskies threw 56 points on the board in destroying Boise State. Michigan, 30. East Carolina, three. Ohio State, 23. Indiana, three. Among the college football scores. Again, Georgia, 48. UT Martin, seven. Florida State, the FSU Seminoles play LSU in Orlando this Sunday night, September the 3rd. That'll, that'll be tonight, actually. Let's check on this uh, 53-man roster. We've been talking about it, I think, the last couple of couple of segments, actually. And we appreciate you guys tuning in uh, to the podcast. This podcast, episode show number 61, not only does it remind me of the movie 61, number 61, Bobby Evans, offensive tackle and offensive lineman for the Jaguars, but it reminds me of this Beatles song, The Long and winding road. Man, we've been working on this podcast for what? A week or more? We were doing this podcast since before the Dolphins final preseason game after the Dolphins preseason game, which the Jaguars won, incidentally. But um, let's take a look at more of the 53-man roster. So bear with me. We're going to go back to the more of the 53-man roster uh, for the Jaguars, you're listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. And I'll tell you what, we know Trevor Lawrence is on the roster. We have we have spoke on Trevor Lawrence, of course. And the 53-man roster, let's, let's pull it up now. Just trying to pull it up now. Boy, the internet has given me fits the last week or so. It's still giving me fits. It is absolutely still giving me fits, the internet. So we'll battle the internet. Um, there's factors involved in, in all of this. We're going to check the 53-bed roster. Let's see how much of this segment processes. That's kind of what I'm what I'm dealing with. We'll check... Um, We'll check some scores, too. Um, as you know, Utah 24, Florida 11 in college football. Mercer, the Mercer Bears 17, North Alabama 7. Uh, back on Saturday, August 26th, USC 56, San Jose State 28, Notre Dame 42, Navy 3. Notre Dame played again yesterday. I'll have to get the, the new score up and at them uh, here in a, a few moments as well. You're listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast, and we're going to get back to the Episode show number 53 coming up. Well, we're going to continue along. We've been kind of battling the internet and with processing our segments. So we're a little bit behind schedule, but we're going to get back to the 53-man roster. College football well underway. USC's won a couple of games. The USC Trojans. One time I went out to Los Angeles to the Coliseum years and years ago, back in the 1980s. Saw the Florida Gators battle USC to a tie game in the, the Los Angeles Coliseum. I think a cathedral of sports, particularly football. 
USC is 2-0. They look like a top-10 team, maybe a top-5 team, maybe a playoff team. USC won their first game uh, back over San Jose State 56-28 on Saturday, August the 26th. They won yesterday on September the 2nd, Saturday, September the 2nd. Uh, they won that particular game over Nevada, 66-14. Meanwhile, my Florida Gators lost to Utah 24-11 on Thursday night, August the 31st. Mercer Bears beat North Alabama 17-7. Notre Dame back on Saturday, August 26th, beat Navy. Notre Dame 42, Navy 3 out in Dublin, Ireland. When you're talking about the Notre Dame fighting Irish, you're talking about the ultimate home field advantage. In Dublin, Ireland, a spacious, I mean, a good-looking and spacious rugby field and soccer field or football. They call it football over there, right? But they played a great college football game, cut Navy and Notre Dame, but Notre Dame it was all Notre Dame, 42-3, to back on Saturday, August the 26th. Alabama won their first, their first one. I know that makes our executive producer, J.C. Happy, he's a big Alabama fan. Alabama 56, Middle Tennessee State uh, 7. I think they used to be known as Middle Tennessee State, and I think they're now just known as Middle Tennessee. Still kind of a directional school with the middle, right? Alabama 56, the Alabama Crimson Tide 56, Middle Tennessee uh, 7. Michigan uh, topped East Carolina 33, Ohio State 23, Indiana 3. Washington Huskies look like a top 10 team. They beat Boise State, Washington Huskies 56, Boise State 19. There's teams going to be on the move in college football after this year. I think USC and UCLA, you know, peel out of the Pac-12 and move to the Big Ten. Washington Huskies, I think, move into the, the Big Ten as well as a few others, and some of the teams move into the Big 12. Um, Texas, who's still in the Big 12, but they will be moving to the SEC. Texas 37, Rice 10, final score. Penn State, a newcomer to the Big 10, but they've been there. Man, they, they've probably been there like close to 20 years now. Penn State 38, West Virginia 15. West Virginia in the Big 12, Penn State in the Big 10. Penn State 38, West Virginia 15. So that's some of the college football scores. Georgia, no trouble at all with the Skyhawks. Georgia Bulldogs, the defending, the two-time defending national champions, Georgia Bulldogs 48, UT Martin 7. I know that makes our Georgia Bulldog football insider Mad Max very happy. At home today, later tonight, Sunday night, September the 3rd, Florida State will battle LSU in Orlando, Florida. I think LSU, last time I checked the line, LSU was like a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, our executive producer, J.C., is starting to like LSU even more as a team battling for the SEC title this year, even though I know a, a couple of months back he picked Alabama to win the West. Maybe that sentiment is changing since Alabama's had some, you know, some musical chairs at quarterback, two or three guys that uh, could be starters. Alabama will have to you go with a guy and – especially down the stretch when they get to SEC games. But Alabama won their first one. Alabama 56, Middle Tennessee 7. Um, Florida lost to Utah. Utah 24, Florida 11 again. I'm just going to pound it home. Utah was the more physical team, even though Florida committed some very costly penalties and turnovers in the red zone. But Utah was more was was more of a physical team than Florida on this particular night. 
Florida only scored 11 points, and their only touchdown came not until the fourth quarter. Mercer 17, North Alabama 7. These are some of the recent college football scores that we got in the very early part of the season. And then finally, when you talk about September the 3rd, about this time you start thinking about football. Back in the olden days, man, you'd see the game openers. College football openers would be, you know, around September 6th, 7th, or 8th. And, heck, some teams have already played two games. Uh, USC's 2-0. I think Notre Dame's played two games now. Um, Florida's played one. Tennessee beat Virginia. Tennessee 49, Virginia 13. Tennessee going to be very tough in the SEC Eastern Division. Florida has got to get it together. They do. Because the SEC is waiting on Florida, you know, to come back at them. We're going to interview Dee McDermott uh, in a few days from now, talking about elegant time travel, dark diamond entertainment, and uh, some other things that Dee McDermott, uh, some other subjects and things that Dee McDermott's got going on with elegant time travel and dark diamond entertainment. He primarily, you know, plans trips to the Pro Football Hall of Fame up in Canton, Ohio. He may have different points of where the trips start is kind of what we're hearing. He may have a trip that originates from up north to Canton, Ohio for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Probably have some trips from down south. Um, But if you're interested in any of Dee Dee McDermott's activities with elegant time travel and uh, dark diamond entertainment, you just give Dee Dee a call. A good friend, Dee Dee McDermott. We are going to interview Dee Dee in uh, one of our future podcasts uh, coming up. Real quickly, high school football is underway, too. A lot of stuff going on. Uh, you can always contact Dee Dee McDermott. And uh, let's see, I'm going to give you Dee Dee's phone number here. Man, I always uh, have to remember Dee Dee's phone number, right? Uh, Jacksonville Sharks won the National Arena League. It's been a few days ago. EXFL down to their championship game. I've got some results in the EXFL, too. we got more of the 53-bad Jaguars roster uh, coming up for you. And let's see, as far as D.D. McDermott goes, with Elegant Time Travel and Dark Diamond Entertainment presenting going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, for future trips or future endeavors by Elegant Time Travel and Dark Diamond Entertainment, Contact Dee Dee McDermott by phone at 904-442-3810, 904-442-3810. Don't forget also Wednesday nights, Wednesday nights at madmaxmix.weebly.com. Great, great music and great requested music on Wednesday nights with the Mad Max Mix, 6 to 8 Central Time, 7 until 9 o'clock Eastern Time, Mad Max Takes you on a journey of music from yesteryear with uh, classic rock, classics, music, pop classics from years gone by. Check out the Mad Max Mix. Man, you might hear anything from Led Zeppelin to the Atlanta Rhythm Section, Leonard Skinner, Alicia Bridges, uh, Pink Floyd, Joe Jackson. Check it out, the Mad Max Mix Wednesday nights, madmaxmix.weebly.com. More of the Till Shirt Report podcast coming right up. And we got links, by the way, for Mad Max's show. 
in the Neighbors 2 section at BigJReport.com and also in the Outside the Box section. The Mad Max Mix, not Weebly.com. Mad Max's special mix of music. Thus, the Mad Max Mix. Wednesday nights, check out Mad Max at Mad Max Mix. At the Mad Max Mix, that's MadMaxMix.Weebly.com. More coming up. Hey, you ever heard that term battling the internet plus battling maybe maybe some haters? A lot of people have their haters. Fortunately, we don't have too many of those, but man, we love doing these uh, these broadcasts or, or podcasts, if you will. I was looking over the during one of our breaks or when we were battling the internet, I was looking over the Central Florida schedule. You know those guys? I didn't realize it. I thought the Big 12 schedule would be limited. For Central Florida, but US UCF coached by Gus Miles Zone, they are playing almost really a full Big 12 schedule this year in 2023. And Oklahoma is still in the league, although they're moving to the SEC along with Texas next year. You got new teams moving into the Big 12. UCF is already in there. Also, Houston, uh, BYU, and Cincinnati. So the Big 12 is going to be a league. You know, they won't have Texas and Oklahoma in there, but man, they're going to have, you know, they're going to have Texas Tech and Baylor and um, still going to be some very, uh, West Virginia, still some very, very formidable uh, teams in the Big 12. UCF is in there, the Central Florida Knights. It's a good move for them. I read an article by Gene Fernet, and I saved the article from a few months ago. Back on July the 8th, uh, Gene Fernet did write something that I thought was kind of interesting whether you agree with it or not gene Burnett, columnist for the jacksonville florida times union usa today network again gene Burnett, columnist with the jacksonville florida times union and usa today network says ucf should have equal standing now with uf fsu and miami miami's been counted down Especially last year, they had a rough, a rough year. Florida lost to Utah. FSU's got a shot to really start out well if they can, if they can somehow sneak out a win against LSU on uh, Sunday night, September the third, much later tonight. So, college football, man, it's coming at you. NIL deals, the transfer portal, conference realigning, ESPN running the show. I think they own college football. There's there's still some games on Fox, and there's still some games on CBS Network, of course. And um, I watched a little bit of the the Notre Dame Navy blowout, forty-two to three, back on August twenty-sixth. I didn't see the Georgia game. I don't think I missed much. Georgia forty-eight, UT Martin Skyhawks seven. Um, little Division two, Edward Waters. And you know, when I say Little Division two, Edward Waters, they actually I think moved up to Division two just a handful of years ago. Uh, they got a football field over there, football stadium, if you will. Edward Waters lost their first game to uh, Florida Memorial. Florida Memorial 38, Edward Waters University. They're now known as Edward Waters University 21. So we get a Florida Memorial 38, Edward Waters 21. USC, they won both their games. They're top 10 at least. They might be top five. USC beat Nevada 66-14. The previous week, USC destroyed San Jose State 56-28. Um, 
UCF won their first game over Kent. I think they used to be known as Kent State, of course. UCF 56, Kent 6, a final. That game was played back on, I believe that first game was played back on August 31st, the same evening that Florida got beat by Utah 24 to 11. Notre Dame beat Tennessee State 56 to 3 after disposing of the Naval Academy 42 to 3. So that's some of what's going on in college football. The Michigan Wolverines, uh, easy winners over East Carolina, 30 to 3. And UCF is playing a full Big 12 schedule, or pretty close to a full Big 12 schedule uh, this year already in 2023. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We're going to attempt to, of course, uh, get back to that 53-man roster, North Florida Entertainment High School Football. My Ed White Commanders lost to Trinity Christian Academy, but they came back in week two and knocked off Sandalwood, I believe, 26-6. to We'll take a look at some high school football as well. And we're going to continue along. I'm kind of having to do these segments kind of quickly to make sure we can process them because the Internet has not been our friend. And I do have gripes with the Internet and maybe uh, an individual or two out there. And I'll keep praying for you, praying with you. That was something I learned from the late legendary William Cossey, years and years ago, he passed away. The late William Cossey, good friend of mine, and worked for me and worked with me years and years ago when I ran the radio station, you know, over in western Georgia. We'll take a look at, uh, we'll go back. We've been taking a look at that 53-man roster, the Jaguars, high school football, North Florida Entertainment coming up. Man, this is a long one today. The Teal Shirt Report Podcast. Thank you for being here with us. Okay, Miami fans, don't get on to me. Miami of Florida Hurricane fans, I, I found your score. Miami of Florida Hurricanes 38. Miami of Ohio 3. The Miami of Ohio team used to be known as the Redskins. I forget. I don't know what they call the team now in Miami of Ohio. But they used to be known as the Redskins back in the day. And they used to play a lot of games in the Tangerine Bowl in the postseason. But, man, this was, you know, actually a stroke of genius to schedule these two teams because everybody used to always confuse them. Um, hey, is that Miami of Florida or is that Miami of Ohio? Well, they actually played each other which I think is pretty good. They're now known. It looks like uh, Miami of Ohio is now known as the Red Hawks. That's, that's kind of a cool name. It's better than what the Washington football team did, I think. The Red Hawks. Okay, Red Hawks fall to the Hurricanes in their opener, 38-3. to um, That was a game. It looks like that game was actually uh, played Friday night. It was a Friday night game. That was actually a Friday night game that uh, that Miami of Ohio played Miami Florida in. So that was that was kind of that was kind of cool actually that Miami Florida could hook up with Miami of Ohio. Um, and again, three takeaways. Um, you know, from this game, I saw some stuff from Sports Illustrated. Uh, Miami's four-headed running back attack overwhelmed Miami of Ohio. 
and, and that's what Sports Illustrated is saying. Um, interesting stuff. Miami of Florida won that game. They had such a lousy year last year. Good to see them, you know, for their fans get off to a good start. Miami simply blew out. Miami of Florida 38, Miami of Ohio 3. Uh, we got most of the scores we've been talking about. Even Division II, Florida Memorial, 38, Edward Waters, 21, a final. Texas, 37, Rice, 10. Uh, Alabama won 56-7 over Middle Tennessee. Notre Dame beat Tennessee State 56-3. Notre Dame's won two blowouts, but apparently the Naval Academy's a bit down this year. They Notre Dame beat them in Dublin, Ireland, 42-3. So, again, the Canes win their first game of the year. And it was kind of a matchup of Miami of Florida versus Miami of Ohio. Miami, Miami of Florida Hurricanes 38, Miami of Ohio Redhawks 3, uh, the final score. So interesting, interesting football as uh, the Miami of Florida Hurricanes get off to a good start, uh, 1-0. The Miami Hurricanes did route Miami of Ohio in their opener. And congratulations to the Hurricanes. UCF won their first game. FSU will play LSU in Orlando uh, Sunday night, September the 3rd. It's coming up much later tonight. Um, Florida Gators lost to a good Utah team, 24-11. to Florida didn't play very well. Mistakes, turnovers, and quite frankly, Utah, at least on this night, had the more physical team beating Florida. 24 to 11. So that's some of the scores from college football. We didn't give them to you all. I know Vanderbilt, you know, beat Hawaii by a touchdown a few days back. And so that's some of what's going on, you know, in college football is, you know, we're doing the teal shirt report uh, podcast, of course. Um, Going back to the Jaguars 53 man roster. We've talked about the wide receivers. We know that Trevor Lawrence and CJ Beathard are your quarterbacks. Running backs, Travis Etienne Jr., Tank Bigsby, uh, Dearness Johnson, and uh, Jermichael Hasty on the roster. Um, you know, I can tell you about both. All these guys are good backs. Travis Etienne is probably the most electric and explosive and has the most big play potential. Tank Bigsby looks like he's going to be a hoss. Our executive producer said, hey, that's a home run you got in the third round out of Auburn. Thank Bigsby, the rookie, on a rookie deal. Dearness Johnson, uh, a free agent, not a first-tier free agent, obviously, but more of a late second or third round. Or, let me let me go back. A second or third-tier free agent. Not a draft pick by the Jaguars, but a free agent signing. More of a – probably a third-tier guy, but – when he filled in for Nick Chubb with Cleveland, I believe last year, he had like a he had one game where he had 145 yards rushing. He's also scored three touchdowns in the preseason for the Jaguars during their undefeated preseason. Jamichael Hasty did enough to reserve a spot on the roster as the fourth running back. So it's Travis Etienne Jr., the top running back. Tank Bigsby will be the number two guy. Dearness Johnson, number three, and Jamichael Hasty, number four. Snoop Cotter gets cut but ends up on the practice squad, as I understand it. Um, the question is, will it be Hasty at number three or Johnson? Probably right now, Johnson, three touchdowns on the preseason. Hasty had a couple of good runs, decent runs against Miami. 
you got a good running back room. Wide receivers, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Jamal Agnew, Tim Jones, Elijah Cooks, a rookie, and Parker Washington, six-round uh, rookie out of Penn State. Those are your seven wide receivers. That's a lot of them. Tight ends, you got three, Evan Ingram, Luke Farrell, and Brenton Strange, a rookie. Brenton Strange, a rookie out of the second round. Um, offensive line, it's interesting here. What you got? You got Walker Little, Blake uh, Hans. Um, those are your left tackles. Walker Little, Blake Hans, uh, left guard Ben Barch, Tyler Shatley, center uh, Luke Fortner. Uh, Tyler Shatley backs up at center and left guard. He's also been been you know concerned about the AFib issue. The doctors. Long as the doctors say he can play, I believe he's going to play. Looks like he wants to be a part of this football team. Brandon Sheriff is a starting right guard. He'll be backed up by Tyler Shatley. Now, you talk about the value and how valuable that Tyler Shatley is that he can back up at center, left guard, and right guard. So you're better off having Shatley on the bench as a backup for one of those three positions. Uh, right tackle Anton Harrison, backed up by right tackle Cole Van Lannan. I think Cole Van Lannan can play a couple of different positions across the offensive line. Cam Robinson uh, should be back. Cam Robinson should be back after the four-game suspension. I mean, I think they're they're planning to put him back at left guard, Cam Robinson. There's been rumors that Walker Little might move to left guard. Let's see how good Ben Barch plays in the first four games, and let's hope he can stay healthy. He couldn't stay healthy last year. I was a little bit concerned about – I um, was thinking about Bobby Evans, who, of course, at last report wore 61 for the Jaguars here at episode show number 61. Um, I know he had been with the, the Vikings, the Rams. He's a guy that was to give the Jaguars some depth. Um, some competition in training camp. I'm not even seeing Evans in there right now. Let's see. Um, you know, the Rams did wave Bobby Evans a few weeks ago. Um, it was a surprise cut that Bobby Evans, it was on the Rams, uh, roster bubble. Um, hmm. So let's see, Bobby Evans. Bobby Evans. Let's see. Bobby Evans. I don't see him on the 53. So I'm going to try to look that up because we have been talking about Bobby Evans wearing 61 for the Jaguars. Um, Bobby Evans' offensive tackle was released by the Vikings and was released by the Rams. Uh, he's still listed as an offensive tackle for the Jacksonville Jaguars presently. Um, so that's some of what's going on as far as Bobby Evans goes. Um, Bobby Evans started four games for the Los Angeles Rams uh, during the last football season. But, you know, after they sustained several injuries to other players up front, the team ultimately decided to cut him. Jaguars signed him, but I'm trying to see where he's on the roster still with the Jaguars because uh, let's go back to the let's go back to the 53, uh, the 53 man roster. Let's see, Cam Robinson. They're expecting him back at left tackle. 
after the four-game suspension. Um, I mean, one thing about the Jaguars, they got some guys with some versatility that can back up at two or three different positions like Shatley, Hanson, Van Lannan. And I'm not seeing Bobby Evans on here. I'm not seeing him listed. Um, so now, so I'm assuming that he's not on the, the final 53, but we'll continue to keep an eye on things. There's some guys that have gone to IR. Uh, and obviously when guys go to IR, they don't count against the 53 because they're not playing. They're not going to be active until they are uh, reactivated. And then you got to make another roster move when a guy comes back. Defensive end, Roy Robertson Harris is on the roster. Um, Adam Gotzes, Jeremiah Ledbetter. I think Ledbetter is kind of a fan favorite. Tyler Lacey, a rookie's on the team, made the 53. Uh, Fuller Ronso Potakasi, who kind of had a down year, battled some injuries, and uh, he was the guy the Jaguars signed from the Jets last year in 2022 as a free agent. This would be his second year with the Jaguars. Looks like Angelo Blackson. I don't know much about Angelo Blackson, but he's listed as a backup defensive tackle. Devon Hamilton, who landed on injured reserve a few days back or a couple of weeks back, and it was more of a non, non-football-related injury to his back. Um, you know, Safatakasi to take over the middle with Robertson Harris. Gotsis, it looks like Gotsis, Adam Gotsis is going to start. I like Adam Gotsis, probably more in the backup role, but maybe this is his time to finally shine. He's been in the league long enough where Adam Gotsis can show some stuff. So, Again, it looks like Roy Robertson Harris and Gotts is starting on each side. Um, looks like Futakasi, if he can stay healthy, he'll be playing up front as well. Linebackers, let's see. Josh Allen, the Will. Trayvon Walker, the Sam. These are honest-to-goodness linebackers. They don't have Trayvon Walker listed as a defensive end. They've got him uh, listed as an outside linebacker, the Sam, if you will. Kalamon Chase on a linebacker. Yasir Abdullah, the rookie Linebacker who's looked good in um, preseason and training camp. Uh, these are kind of the outside linebacker guys. And your pass rushers come from these positions. Josh Allen's probably your number one pass rusher. Trayvon Walker better be the number two option. And Kayvon, Kayvon Chase on in his fourth year, is, in his fourth year of his four-year rookie contract, is this the year that the light switch goes on for Kayvon Chase on? Uh, Jordan Smith did not make it. I think he battled injuries from last year, had a brace on his knee, and just didn't make it with the Jaguars. Kid out of UAB that I liked quite a bit. But looking over everything, let's see uh, other linebackers. Uh, when you talk about, man, they got a lot of linebackers on this team, don't they? Inside linebackers, uh, you got um, Boy Olicon. Devin Lloyd, Chad Muma, Shaquille Quarterman, the Jacksonville kid who went to where did Shaquille go play high school ball at? He played it, played at Oakleaf, then he played at the U at Miami for the Hurricanes. You got Caleb Johnson on the roster. Um, those are your, those are basically man terminology in football is a little different than it used to be. Inside linebacker, you got Boy Olicon, who's probably was the leading tackler in the NFL last year. Devin Lloyd. You're expecting a bump up and improvement from Devin Lloyd going to year two. Chad Muma going to year two, the, another rookie. 
Devin Lloyd was out of Utah. Chad Muma was drafted out of, I believe, Wyoming. And Chad Muma can play, you know, all over the field, special teams, make a lot of tackles at linebacker. Shaquille Quarterman still on the roster. Caleb Johnson, another one of those uh, inside linebackers. And bear in mind that Shaquille Quarterman and, and maybe Kaleeb as well, maybe they were on the bubble and then all of a sudden Ventrell Miller, you know, limps off the field in the final preseason game against the Dolphins, I think in the third quarter. And, you know, Ventrell is trying to make the team too. So he ends up on IR. So he's still with the Jaguars. The Jaguars have stashed him on IR. He's probably going to miss the entire season. And he'll give it a go in year two next year. So Ventrell Miller, you know, gets injured, makes things a little easier on the Jaguars. And you never want to see a player get injured, but they were able to stash him on injured reserve. They got Shaquille Quarterman coming back and playing on his rookie deal. You know, Shaquille Quarterman's an interesting guy because he was actually drafted in the fourth round by the Jaguars a handful of years ago. Still on his rookie deal. Um, He was actually the product of the the Nick Foles trade when Nick Foles was traded from the Jaguars to the Bears for fourth round pick. The Jaguars turned that into linebacker Shaquille Quarterman back. What about three years ago? Um, taking a look at the defensive backs, cornerback, let's go cornerback Tyson Campbell, Darius Williams. Darius Williams was a free agent signing from the Rams last year. Tyson Campbell was a draft pick in 2021 with a very good Jaguars draft in 2021. Trey Herndon made the team. Trey Herndon the third. Good special teamer. Speed could be an issue with Trey Herndon again. He can, you know, the, the other teams try to, when Trey Herndon's out there, man, they try to run, try to see if they can get a matchup, mismatch against Trey Herndon with a speedy guy. Gregory Jr.'s on the team. Uh, Montark Brown, who's also called by some Buster Brown. Uh, Christian Braswell made the team as a rookie. Now, this roster is going to continue to turn over, so any of these guys could be cut at any time. They really could. They could be cut at any time. They could be put on the practice squad, especially the bottom part of the roster from probably guy 49 to guy 53. It could be changing every couple of days, every week or two, uh, from month to month, that type of thing. Safety, Rayshon Jenkins, Andrew Wingard, known as Dewey. Dewey signed a new contract in the offseason. Rayshon Jenkins Caught the big pick six touchdown against the Cowboys late in the year last year that helped propel the Jaguars into the playoffs, right? Andre Sisco, free safety. Daniel Thomas, a uh, guy that's been around for about four years now out of Auburn. Antonio Johnson, the guy I really like. I call him A.J., rookie out of Texas A&M. May have been a steal in the draft in the fifth round. Um, Jenkins and Sisco were the starting Guys, last year, they will – it looks like they're, again, going to be the starters, Rayshon Jenkins and Dewey Wingard, Andrew Wingard. Um, free safety, Andrew – Andre Sisko, I should say. I don't know why I want to call him Andrew. That's Andrew Wingard is a strong safety. Andre Sisko is a free safety. Daniel Thomas, uh, kind of a backup free safety. But these are special teams guys, too. A.J., the rookie, Antonio Jackson – let me let me let me let me correct myself. Antonio Johnson, Antonio Johnson, AJ out of Texas A&M, fifth rounder, may have been a steal in the fifth round. So that's some of what is going on. Special teams, 
you got Brandon McManus, the former Denver kicker, is the Jags place kicker now. Logan Cook continues to be one of the top, probably one of the top five or top ten punters in the league, Logan Cook. Long snapper Ross Matissic uh, appears to be healthy again. He missed a lot of the preseason with an injury, but and, and the Jags went through a couple of long snappers, but now Ross Matissic looks like he's back to play. Kick returner Jamal Agnew and the backup and kick returner Parker Washington. Punt returner Jamal Agnew and Parker Washington. And that's basically it. Um, special teams. Um, McManus took over the kicking duties from Riley Patterson from last year. And that is a look at kind of the, the latest um, Jacksonville Jaguars 53-man roster. Um, Colorado and Deion Sanders is head coaching debut in the, in the Colorado's actually in the Pac-12, but they're talking about moving to the Big 12, which I'll probably do. They used to be in the Big 12 or the Big 8, if you will. Um, Deion Sanders, um, and the Colorado Buffaloes pulled the upset over number 17th ranked TCU. On Saturday, September the second, forty-five to forty-two. Um, my goodness, I didn't realize this. Um, you know they were. Can you believe this? I didn't realize this that I knew they were an underdog, but I think they were like a twenty, twenty and a half point underdog. TCU and Colorado won the game, forty-five, forty-two. Colorado's got a little swagger now with Dion, and he's got his son playing quarterback and playing well over well over 400 yards passing. I think he actually snuck out over slightly over 500 yards passing. Colorado, man, they're going to be interesting. I heard a quote saying that Deion Sanders was um, an interesting experimented coach. Well, he won his first game, and it looks like Dion. Good old Deion Sanders, man, in Colorado. They're going to make college football. It's going to be an interesting season with uh, Deion Sanders. And, of course, the Colorado Colorado Buffaloes, right? So you're listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Um, that kind of gives us kind of a breakdown of the um, – of obviously, you know, the Jaguars' uh, 53-man roster. Uh, We've talked really a lot about college football. We're going to get into some high school football from week one. There's already been week two, so we'll give you, you know, a few of the scores. You go to our website at bigjreport.com, scroll the homepage, You'll find some of the very latest high school football scores. And we'll talk North Florida Entertainment coming up. But we're going to give you a few high school scores and talk North Florida Entertainment. That is as close to a 53-man roster as I can get because tomorrow the roster may change a little bit more. It's, you know, always the roster, particularly the bottom part of the roster, from guys 48 or 49 through 53, that's always going to be kind of evolving as time goes on. And Bobby Evans, 
you know, I don't know what the deal is with Bobby Evans, but apparently he's not on the 53 that I can find. Um, did the Jaguars cut Bobby Evans? I, you know, I hear about most players in most situations. Um, Jaguars reduced the roster towards 53. Um, so there's been some guys that, you know, are waived, you know, off the roster, obviously. Doug Peterson's son, Josh Peterson, the tight end, was waived. And I believe Josh Peterson, the tight end, is now on the practice squad for the Jaguars. Uh, the Jaguars waived um, uh, Tucker Addington, long snapper, because they got uh, Madison back. Um, the Jaguars also waived Kevin Austin Jr. So the Jaguars worked on, you know, cutting it down to 53. There's some guys on IR, Devon Hamilton, uh, Ventrell Miller, the linebacker, you know, and we'll continue. We'll keep up with it, you know, certainly the the best we can. Um, Jaguars have cut some guys. Let's take a look. Some of the guys that got waived included uh, long snapper Tucker Addington. Wide receiver Kevin Austin Jr. got waived. Latavius Brenny, DJ Coleman, outside linebacker got waived. Snoop Connor got waived, but I believe he ended up on the Jags practice squad, which our practice squad can probably beat a lot of teams' practice squads. Jags looking good on the roster from top to bottom. Eric Hantlett, the second, who got an interception, I believe, in the last preseason game. He ended up getting waived. It's just kind of a numbers game. Wide receiver Oliver Martin didn't know much about him. He got waived. Josh Peterson, the tight end, got waived. And he's ended up on the practice squad. Quarterback Nathan Rourke, the third-string quarterback, got waived, but he's ended up. On the practice squad, outside linebacker Jordan Smith got waived along with a few others. Um, let's see. Bobby Evans got released by the Jaguars. So did offensive um, Chandler Brewer, offensive lineman Tavon Campbell got released. Michael Dogby, offensive lineman Bobby Evans did get released. And running back uh, Quadre... Olison got released as well. Placed on injured reserve. Um, a linebacker, Ventron Miller, the rookie out of Florida. The Jaguars drafted in the fourth round. Uh, a guy they signed in the offseason who had been with Jacksonville before and also played uh, for Tampa Bay with Tom Brady for the Buccaneers. Offensive lineman. I think Josh Wells is out for the year. He's on injured reserve for the year. Um, placed on exempt. Commissioner, permission list, cornerback Chris Claybrooks, who had some, you know, some legal issues. And I think that's most of it as far as the 53. Looks like Bobby Evans is uh, gone as well for now. That's going to do it for the Jaguars 53-man roster. You know, we've been doing this for a few days now. Uh, we started doing episode show number 61, which included Bobby Evans, who's now no longer apparently with the team, at least for now. But it can all change. You know, general manager Trent Baugh, he can pick up, pick up the phone and say, hey, we need you back. 
those things happen. The roster, particularly the bottom part of the roster, especially when other injuries happen, things change. And so that's kind of what's going on. Some of the latest moves uh, the Jaguars have made. We'll talk some high school football and North Florida entertainment coming up. This is the really extended version of the Teal Shirt Report podcast, episode show number 61. This podcast, we've been working on it before the Dolphins preseason game. And now after the final preseason game against the Dolphins, Jags were 3-0 and in the preseason. How about, how about that? We'll talk more high school football, North Florida Entertainment, coming up next. Keep it here on the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Well, you're tuned into the Teal Shirt Report podcast. I've actually got a list of some of the initial practice squad guys. Um, let's take a look at a list. I got a list of about 13 guys. There's 16 slots available. And these were the guys that were signed very, very recently to the practice squad. After the cuts were done, you know, obviously in you know late August when the Jaguars had to get down to 53. On the practice squad so far, you know, as of probably a couple of days ago, Nathan Rourke, a quarterback, third-string quarterback, did some good things, um, you know, particularly in the, in the game where, he, you know, he scrambled, broke two or three tackles and threw a touchdown pass. And um, I believe that was in the second game, I believe, of the preseason. The Jaguars beat the uh, – well, maybe it was against the Cowboys that particular game. But the Jaguars beat the Cowboys. They beat the Lions. And they ended up beating the Dolphins during the third and final preseason game. Nathan Rourke played well and had the one game where he, you know, he scrambled and broke two or three tackles and threw a touchdown pass and kind of got kind of got endeared to a lot of the Jaguars fan base. And he's still a Jaguar. He's still a Jaguars player. He's now in the practice squad. Your top two guys, quarterback Trevor Lawrence. And C.J. Beathard's a backup. Obviously, C.J. Beathard really submitted his place as the backup quarterback with the long touchdown pass to Tim Jones in the second half of the Dolphins game. Nathan Rourke uh, played a couple of years, I believe, in the Canadian Football League, played in the CFL. Nathan Rourke is a quarterback on the Jaguars practice squad. These guys make really good money on the practice squad, too. Jacob Harris, wide receiver. Snoop Connor, the running back, second-year guy out of Ole Miss, has landed on the practice squad with the Jags. Chandler Brewer, offensive lineman's on the practice squad. So is DJ Coleman, outside linebacker. Coy Cronk, offensive lineman's on the practice squad. Deshaun Dixon, uh, defensive lineman's on the practice squad. So is Duquan Jackson, linebacker. Derek Parrish, tight end. Daryl Williams, offensive lineman who played a lot of center uh, for the Jaguars. Played a lot of center for the Jaguars. He could be a quick call-up if there's any other injuries or things. Daryl Williams, offensive lineman. Seth Williams, wide receivers on the practice squad. Devon Campbell, cornerbacks on the practice squad. And I, I like this signing to the practice squad. I like this one. Eric Hallett, the second cornerback. I think Hallett had an interception in the last preseason game against the Dolphins. So he played well. Just numbers game. Those are some of the guys on the practice squad. That's 13 out of the uh, 16 slots on the practice squad for your Jacksonville Jaguars. 
We're going to take a look at some high school scores, uh, North Florida Entertainment. Um, we'll go back to week one of high school football, and we'll probably hit week two on the next episode. This is episode show um, number 61, obviously, right here of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Going to give you some some high school football scores also in the EXFL. You know, it's kind of like indoor football played outdoors on a 60-yard field, eight men versus eight. Uh, We do have some, actually, some some scores uh, from Avion. uh, Avion Hale, who runs the EXFL. Um, The championship game is next Saturday in the EXFL 60-yard field, eight-man on eight-man, kind of like indoor football but played outdoors in the elements. Let's take a look at some scores uh, that we got. Playoffs, uh, final scores. um, Pine County Falcons from around the St. Petersburg area defeated the Capos from Palm Beach. Pine County Falcons 36, the Palm Beach uh, Capo 16. So the Pine County Falcons advance to the championship game. They will play the South Florida Raptors. The South Florida Raptors uh, a few days ago defeated the Devil Dogs, the Clay County Florida Devil Dogs, home based in Green Cove Springs, Florida. South Florida Raptors 48, the Clay County Devil Dogs 22 in the playoffs. Uh, congratulations to Solo and his team on really a good first year in the EXFL. Uh, they finished the six-game regular season four and two. Then they lost a playoff game. So they, they played seven games in the EXFL in uh, 2023, which is primarily a summer league. But the Clay County Florida Devil Dogs did themselves proud four and three, made it to the playoffs, but they, they did get beat in the first round. I talked to Avion Hale, who is actually the – Commissioner of the EXFL. The league's been around, believe it or not, this league's been around for like, what, six or seven years. They've been around for a while now. So the championship game is set. The Pine County Falcons uh, will play the South Florida Raptors. And Avion said the, um, the championship game is going to be set for next Saturday between the Obviously, between the two winners of the playoff games, the Pine County Falcons will play the South Florida Raptors in the EXFL playoffs, and the it's called the X Game, the X Bowl, I believe, the EXFL Championship Game featuring the Pine Pine County team. What is that? The Pine County Falcons, I believe they call that team, uh, and they will be playing the South Florida Raptors in the championship game uh, next weekend on on Saturday. So that's EXFL stuff. That's outdoor football. It's indoor football played outdoors in the elements on a 60-yard field. And it's eight-man. It's eight-man on eight football. EXFL. So we try to keep you up to date with some semi-pro football stuff going on as well. We'll take a look at uh, some high school uh, football action as well. You know, you got the Jumbo Shrimp play in baseball. They lost 2-1 to one to Charlotte. And uh, let me give you a little info on, if we can pull it up, a little bit of info on the Jumbo Shrimp. By the way, very sad to learn of uh, Jimmy Buffett, who 
passed away, man. He was 76 years old. It's five o'clock somewhere, right? Um, you know, you take a look at a lot of the songs Jimmy Buffett did come Monday. It was a great song. Listen to those songs. Well-written songs. Very well-performed. Yeah, Cheeseburger in Paradise. I guess Larry Cole and... Larry Cole was the... He passed away, you know, like like a year before Jimmy Buffett did. And Larry Cole was was known to us as the, the Jimmy Buffett of Facebook. <laughs> and, and now the actual Jimmy Buffett passed away, heck, about a year later, almost to the day. So Larry Cole and Jimmy Buffett up in heaven, probably enjoying a cheeseburger in paradise. Um, we had a post about, you know, post your favorite song by Jimmy Buffett. We're getting some of that. Um, you know, a lot of people like it's five o'clock somewhere, Margaritaville, um, cheeseburger in paradise. A lot of great songs. What was that song? Son of a son of a sailor by Jimmy Buffett too. I'm sure Mad Max on his Mad Max mix will play some Jimmy Buffett on his next, uh, Wednesday evening or Wednesday night show. Um, the Jumbo Shrimp, you know, the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp played Charlotte. They're back home now. I'm looking for the score. Let's go ahead and pull up the score on the Jumbo Shrimp. We had posted it in the uh, BigJReport.com Facebook group. Um, the Jumbo Shrimp, by the way, got beat by the Charlotte Knights at home. Uh, in Jacksonville, Charlotte 2, Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp 1. And uh, that game was actually played on Saturday, September the 2nd. The Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp now 63 and 67 on the season. We'll take a look at some, some high school football from week one. I think we'll save week two for the next episode. We're running a little bit behind, but we're catching up. We're going to catch up, I assure you. Um, taking a look at high school football, you know, um, my Ed White commanders are one and one. They lost to Trinity and then they, you know, we weren't going to get into week two, but they did beat Sandalwood 26 to six in week two. Let's take a look at some of the high school football scores, uh, you know, that we do have. Uh, I know Lakeside and up in Alabama won their first game as well. But uh, we'll pull up some uh, some old high school football scores. The season's underway 2023. I think, you know, most of the areas, North Florida, South Georgia, South, Southeast Alabama, I think most of the areas now into their second week of high school football. So we'll take a look at some scores we do have. I think I just run up on some scores. Here we go. Um, here's some of the games from high school football, and we try to check scores, and we, we don't have them all posted yet, but we're trying to get them up at bigjreport.com. If you scroll the homepage, you'll see what I'm talking about. Here's some scores from week one, uh, back on Friday night, August the 25th of 2023, Jacksonville Mandarin 43, the Fletcher Senators 21, a final. Trinity Christian beat the Edwin Commanders 33 to 8. That game at one time early in the fourth quarter, Trinity led Ed White 12 to 8. And then Trinity, man, with that that quarterback that's a big prospect who I believe has committed to LSU for Trinity Christian Academy. They defeated Ed White, really had an 
onslaught of scoring in the, the last half of the fourth quarter. It was Trinity Christian Academy 33, my Ed White Commanders 8, the final score. Bartram Trail opened the season with a 20-17 win over the Ponte Vedra Sharks. Uli 31, Charlton County, Georgia 20, a final. That's where all those Bailey kids from uh, that played at Georgia. Sham Bailey that went on to play what primarily, I think he played for primarily who, the uh, Denver Broncos. Um Played in the NFL for a number of years. Champ Bailey played for Charlton County. It was Yuley 31, and heck, Derrick Henry played for Yuley. Yuley 31, Charlton County, Georgia 20, a final score. Uh, Bowles got beat by a good St. Augustine team. It was St. Augustine 43, Bowles 36, some other scores. Fleming Island 40, uh, Clay County High School Blue Devils uh, 20. The Fleming Island team, 40, Clay High School Blue Devils, 20, a final score. Oak Leaf, where Jaguars linebacker Shaq Quarterman played high school ball. Oak Leaf, 42, the Orange Park Raiders, nothing. Final score from week one of high school football. And that was uh, back on Friday night, August the 25th. Um, so, again, you had uh, Oak Leaf, 42, the Orange Park Raiders, nothing. A final, Andrew Jackson, 7 but they lost to Nice. Nice 10, Andrew Jackson, Tiger 7. Uh, Riverside Generals, formerly known as Lee High School, 41. The Westside Wolverines, nothing, a final. Bishop Kenny beat First Coast. Bishop Kenny, 38, First Coast, 20, a final. Tacoa Creek, 38, beat side, 34. So Tacoa Creek actually beat the new school, I think, in their second year playing football. Tacoa Creek, 38. They've been around a few years longer than Beachside, but not that much longer. Tacoa Creek, 38. Beachside, 34. Final. Sandalwood Saints played Rebald in week one. Uh, Rebald Trojans, 14. The Sandalwood Saints, 7. Ed White in week two did defeat Sandalwood, 26-6. Going back to week one, the Inglewood Rams won their opener, 16-6 over PSFAS. I believe that's the old Paxson High School. Inglewood Rams 16, PSFAS 6, a final. Uh, Atlantic Coast High School 14, the Terry Parker Braves 6, a final. Gainesville Buholtz 41, Columbia County uh, Lake City 13. I believe that goes in the books as a final, but the game not completed and was suspended due to some, some issues around the stadium some issues around the stadium. Um, but Gainesville Buholes, I think, officially won that game 41-13 to 13 over Lake City. The game was ended early. The game was not completed and suspended, but we have a score, and I think that, that score will go in the books. Menendez, 34, Ridgeview, 8 a final. Bishop Snyder, 16, Stanton Blue Devils, 7 a final. Oak Hall, 43, St. Joseph's Academy, nothing, a final score. Hawthorne, who won a state championship last year, Hawthorne beat Middleburg. Hawthorne, 26, Middleburg High School, 7, a final. Palatka, 45, Umatilla, 6, a final. Episcopal, 28, uh, Zarephath Academy, 26, a final score. Uh, the Fernandina Beach Pirates with a one-point win. Over the Providence School, Fernandina Beach Pirates 13, Providence School 12, a final. Baldwin, Baldwin 40, Wilson Whoopack uh, 3, a final. NFEI 24, West Nassau 13, a final. Matanzas 30, 
South Lake Eight, a final score in South Georgia on week one back on the last Friday night in August. Ware County, let's see, Ware County, Georgia. Ware County, Georgia won. The Ware County, Georgia Gators 28. Richmond Hill 7, a final. That's Ware County, Georgia 28. Richmond Hill 7, a final. Brunswick, Georgia 21. Camden County Wildcats 17, a final. On Friday night, August the 25th of 2023. Meanwhile, more high school football scores up and over in Alabama. The Lakeside Chiefs in Ufala, Alabama 48. Making the East 16, the final. Good win for Lakeside. On Friday evening, August the 25th of 2023. Looks like due to some, um, as we mentioned earlier, looks like due to some issues that happened on Friday night, August the 25th of 2023, the Columbia County, uh, Florida, Lake City Tigers game got postponed, but looks like they played enough of that game to get it in the books as um, Columbia County, had lost to Gainesville Buholes, Gainesville Buholes 41, Columbia County, Florida, the Lake City Tigers 13. So again, it was uh, Gainesville Buholes getting that victory in the books, even though the game was shortened. Looks like they got most of the game in Gainesville Buholes 41, Columbia County, Florida, Lake City 13. Final score, but the game not completed and suspended. But again, uh, we did have a score in that game. Um, as we mentioned uh, at the end of our scoreboard, um, let's see, the Lakeside Chiefs up in Alabama, Lakeside Chiefs in Uvala, Alabama, 48, making E16 the final score. So a good win for Lakeside up in Uvala, Alabama, uh, back on Friday night, August the 25th of 2023. So that's some of the high school football scores, not all of them. Uh, on our next podcast, we'll talk more about high school football, primarily in uh, week number two. Let's um, take a look real quickly to end this podcast episode show number 61. Let's uh, take a look at North Florida Entertainment. We did up, update some of the concerts uh, coming up in North Florida, you know, St. Augustine, Jacksonville, surrounding areas. Let's take a look at some shows um, that are coming up. Uh, country singer Jason Aldean was uh, here in Jacksonville at the arena, at the Vice Star Veterans Memorial Arena back on August 25th of 2023 at 7.30 p.m. So that show was held back on August 25th. Coming up here in September of 2023, Molly Hatchett will be playing a show in Ponte Vedra uh, this coming Friday night, September the 8th of 2023 at 8 o'clock p.m at the Ponte Vedra Concert Hall uh, here in Northeast Florida. Local North Florida jam band Late Night Transfer will be playing at the Voussoir at 51 Robert Street in Atlantic Beach, Florida, with a show at 9 o'clock p.m. on Saturday night, September the 16th of 2023 at 9 o'clock p.m., and they'll play till about 1 o'clock a.m. in the morning. Also, Alice Cooper performing at the St. Augustine Amphitheater on October the 4th of 2023 at 8 o'clock p.m. As you know, the Florida Theater has been closed for remodeling, revamping, but we understand that one of the Pink Floyd tribute bands will be at the Florida Theater in November. It's one of the first shows. Uh, there's, I think there's some other shows coming up in October. 
but the one we were kind of interested in was the Pink Floyd tribute band, Brit Floyd, uh, coming to the iconic Florida Theater on Saturday night, November the 18th of 2023 at 8 o'clock p.m. Also, this one really interests me because this guy can sing good, too, just like his dad. Also, A.J. Croce, son of the legendary Jim Croce. Jim Croce passed away when I think he was, how old was he, in his 30s when he passed away? Passed away. I think he passed away in 1973. Man, he left us some great music, too. Jim Croce. His son sings. His son son plays. And his son is, is, is a good talent on his own. But he'll be doing some of his dad's old songs, too. Also, that's A.J. Croce. Uh, you can see him right here in Jacksonville, A.J. Croce. And I wouldn't have him any other place but the Florida Theater. They say the Florida Theater is haunted. That, you know, they've spotted some spirits on camera moving around the Florida Theater. I don't know about that, but it's a, it's a great place to watch a show. I've seen Alan Parsons' project over there. I've seen Boss Gags. I've seen Natalie Merchant, Night Ranger. To name a few, I saw Kenny G over there. It's a great place to watch a show. A.J. Croce, the son of the legendary Jim Croce, will be at the Florida Theater. A.J. Croce will be at the Florida Theater on Saturday evening, November the 25th of 2023 at 8 o'clock p.m. at the Florida Theater in downtown Jacksonville, Florida. Here's another good one, too. Kansas, the longtime group Kansas from Dust in the Wind fame. Coming to North Florida in just a few months. Kansas will be here to open up the new year of 2024. Kansas will be playing the Florida Theater on Friday night, January the 12th of 2024 at 8 o'clock p.m. at the Florida Theater here in Jacksonville, Florida. And I know it's been a long one. Episode show number 61. Man, in all that time, Bobby Evans was on the team. Now he's not. Wearing 61 for the Jaguars. He was actually uh, released by the Jaguars. He's been on a lot of teams, too. Vikings, Rams, Jaguars. Now, he could get another call from the Jaguars or another team pretty quickly. Um, episode show number 61, we saluted Bobby Edmonds, who spent some time with the Jaguars during the preseason and training camp wearing number 61. We saluted the movie 61, the story about Roger Maris and even Mickey Mantles highly in that story of 61 as well. And I want to tell you, this has been maybe the longest episode ever, the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Episode show number 61 makes me think of the Beatles song, The Long and Winding Road, as we finally get to the end of episode show number 61 in season number four of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Our show has been eloquently produced by our executive producer, JC, also by Alex Nunnery. Special thanks to our correspondent and contributor and supporter of the podcast, uh, Mr. John Gaylor. also want to thank David Martin, helping us keep people up to date with semi-pro football as well. Andy Powers, I heard from my friend across the pond over in the UK. He gave me his new address over there. Andy, thank you so much, Mr. Andy Powers, uh, for listening uh, to our podcast. We want to keep his wife, Sammy, in our thoughts and prayers. She's been very ill, sick, and I think she's going to be, you know, back home recovering 
So we keep uh, Indy Power's wife, Sammy, who's been very sick in our thoughts and prayers. That's going to do it for the Teal Shirt Report podcast, episode show number 61. Anything we didn't get to in 61, and I can't think of too many things we didn't get to, obviously. But anything we didn't get to in 61, we'll get to in episode show number 62, coming up really soon now. Thank you for listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. I'm your host, Scott. I'm out. Hey, have a great day, and thank you for listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast on the Teal Shirt Report podcast network. Again, thank you for tuning in. Hey, Mr. Gaylor, we do have a, we do have an encore. Got an encore this time around. Man, episode show number 61 has been a long one. Man, it has. It's been a long one. We got 61A, 61B you can check out, and now we're in the 61C, of course. It's been a long episode. I will tell you that 61C is pretty much all September. 61A and 61B had some August stuff in there, but heck, it's Labor Day. It's Monday, uh, September the 4th. How about FSU, man? How about FSU? You've got a coach named Mike Norvell that he came from Memphis about four years ago. His last year at Memphis, he was 11-1, and one, took the Memphis Tigers uh, to the Cotton Bowl. And he's a good coach. Mike Norvell had a very, very good record at the mid-majors. Unlike Willie Taggart. Willie Taggart basically had a losing record at the mid-majors. Jimbo, his last year at FSU, probably not as good as years earlier. Jimbo kind of started doing the limbo probably his last year at Florida State. Uh, we'll give everybody that, especially Seminole fans. So about, you know, about four years ago, I guess it was about four years ago, uh, you know, before COVID, Mike Norvell was was hired as a Florida State coach. He has ever, ever so gradually, ever so gradually improved that team, like the little engine that could. We think we can. We think we can. They've gradually gotten better and better ever so gradually. Florida State now at the pinnacle. Had a good year last year. Um, and they've got a chance to really do some exciting things in uh, the 2023 season. I'm not a Florida State fan, never have been, but I like Coach Mike Norvell. I will root for the Gators when they play the Knowles. However, you start Seminole fans. I'm pulling for Florida State whenever they don't play Florida. You heard me. So we cover Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Alabama. Um, got a lot of college football listeners in North Florida, all over the state of Florida, actually. Um, UCF's getting stronger, moving to the Big 12, and actually playing. Really, if you take a look at UCF's schedule, and they're coming off their opening win, UCF 56, Kent 6. UCF is playing a Big 12 schedule. They're playing against a lot of Big 12 teams. So Central Florida, the UCF Knights are now christened into the Big 12. And they're playing a lot of Big 12 teams in their first year. As you know, Texas and Oklahoma moving to the SEC in 2024. The big boys from the Pac-12, UCLA and USC from the Los Angeles market are going to move to the Big Ten. Washington, you know, big ties with, you know, Seattle and 
in the state of Washington and the West Coast. They'll be moving to the Big Ten as well, and a few others. And there's some that are, that are going to move to the Big 12. Uh, conference realignment still going on. In some cases, some of this stuff is not quite official. We do know the Big Ten has a big TV contract. Almost added an extra word in there. <laughs> you can figure it out, right? The Big Ten has a gargantuous TV contract. The SEC is not going away. And it's college football, baby. Here we go. Not everybody's fond of the new happenings, but we're going to cover it. NIL, transfer portal, conference realignments, coaches making crazy money, players even in some cases making crazy money, and then they transfer out and look for another deal. College football, man, it ain't what it used to be. It's not your your dad or your granddad's college football anymore. It's It's changed. However, a lot of the teams remain the same. Uh, Notre Dame beat Tennessee State 56-3. And how about FSU? As we got this encore going right now, how about FSU here in episode show number 61C? FSU, man, they uh, were in a battle with LSU from the SEC. LSU had the lead, I believe, at halftime by three points. And then what happened? FSU went out and won the game in the third quarter. They really did. Final score, the FSU Seminoles 45, the LSU Tigers 24. It was Sunday night, September the 3rd of 2023. Again, the Florida State Seminoles 45, the LSU Tigers from the SEC 24. Again, FSU, FSU Seminoles 45, LSU Tigers 24, the final score. Florida State with a very good third quarter in this one. I think they won the game in the third quarter. However, then the Seminoles completely blew this one wide open throughout the second half. Coach Mike Norvell continues to do a good job at Florida State, and thus they're going to be ranked in the top five when the new poll comes out. We'll keep an eye on the polls as well. So that's some of what's uh, going on. Um, I, I will tell you, USC is going to be highly ranked, too. They've won a couple of games already. USC blasted Nevada 66-14. Texas beat Rice 37-10. These are some highly ranked teams. Washington in the top 10. Washington Huskies 56. Boise State 19. Um, Jim, Big Jim Harbaugh, Michigan 30. East Carolina 3. Miami of Florida Hurricanes started out on the winning track against the other Miami from Miami of Ohio where Ben Roethlisberger played his college ball. Miami of Florida, 38. The Miami of, uh, they used to be called the Redskins. Now they're known as the Red Hawks. The Miami of Ohio Red Hawks. So in the Battle of Miami, Miami, Florida, 38. Miami of Ohio, 3, the final score. I was talking to my executive producer in one of our classic phone calls, and I was trying to remember who Tennessee beat, but they beat a pretty good program, J.C. It was Virginia. Tennessee really beat. Blew the doors off the Virginia Cavaliers, Tennessee 49, and Virginia 13. Um, as you know, Alabama knocked off Middle Tennessee State, Alabama 56, Middle Tennessee 7. Uh, Florida lost to Utah, as we know, Utah 24, Florida 11. Colorado and Deion Sanders. We're gonna talk, we're gonna talk more about Deion Sanders in Colorado, and we're gonna talk more about Florida State on the next episode of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. As well, Colorado 45, TCU 42, Notre Dame 
uh, beat Navy 42 to three. Notre Dame's won a couple of games now. They beat Tennessee State in week one. Week zero was the Notre Dame 42 to three win over Navy. Notre Dame 56, Tennessee State three in what is considered week one. Last week was uh, week zero. USC 56, San Jose State 28 in week zero. Then USC came back the next week and beat Nevada 66 to 14. USC is going to be in the top five, six or seven of college football uh, under uh, Coach Lincoln Riley now. My executive producer said, man, they're spending a lot of money on airplanes for the coaches and whoever else, right? It ain't like it used to be, man. NIL deals, the transfer portal, the conference realignment. I mean, we're talking about it here on the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Michigan 30, East Carolina 3. Um, Mercer 17, North Alabama 7. And Florida State with a big win to start out the season. FSU 45, the LSU Tigers 24. We're going to talk more college football coming up in episode show number 62. We're, we're, I've got some some things we're really going to unleash in the next episode. And we appreciate you guys listening. And want to thank my executive producer, JC, for everything, helping us out. Uh, right here, of course, with the Teal Shirt Report podcast. want to thank Alex Nunry, our producer, our correspondent, our correspondent, and, um, you know, the guy we talk a lot, lot with, uh, our supporter of our podcast, and correspondent, uh, John Gaylor. Thanks for everything, John. want to thank David Martin, keeping us up to date with semi-pro stuff. Um, EXFL down to the championship game that's going to be coming up uh, this weekend. They're down to two teams. And we'll be talking, you know, we, we're going to talk about the gamut. We're talking about Jacksonville Jaguars football, North Florida Entertainment, and other area sports, of course. The Jaguars game, it's coming up this Sunday. Game one, regular season will start. And that's going to be this Sunday, September the 10th. The Jaguars are four and a half point favorite. Some of the experts I know that pick football games, there's actually an expert I know that's picking Indianapolis, the Indianapolis Colts at home to win the game outright. And the Jaguars are a four and a half point favorite. That's going to do it for this episode show. Number 61C. We kind of took 61, put it into about uh, three different episodes. So we got we got episode 62 coming up real soon. A lot of content out there now. This has been episode show number 61C of the Teal Shirt Report podcast brought to you by Saucerility and Capital. LakeUfallahits.com. Great internet radio where it's all good. Also by Elegant Time Travel and Dark Diamond Entertainment, the Mad Max Mix.weebly.com. Great internet radio music request show each Wednesday night from 6 to 8 Central Time. 7 to 9 Eastern Time, the Mad Max Mix.weebly.com. You'll find links for the show on our website, too, at BigJReport.com, in the Neighbors 2 section, and also the Outside the Box section. Check out XFLToday.net for reviewing the, the last season, which ended in some new XFL news. I know will be, uh, be on that site real soon as well, the XFL Today. Net. So special thank you to all of our sponsors, Saucerility and Capital, LakeUfallahits.com, Great Internet Radio, where it's all good, where they now have Midnight Rock, 
Late nights during the week, Midnight Rock, which is at midnight central time, 1 o'clock a.m. Eastern time, Midnight Rock at LakeUpalaHits.com. Great internet radio. They have uh, recognizable hits and identifiable hits uh, during the daytime, Monday through Friday from morning to afternoon. Hits 2000s, Monday through Friday nights, and much, much more at LakeUpalaHits.com. Great internet radio where it's absolutely all good. Like you fall a hits. Want to thank Dee Dee McDermott with uh, Elegant Time Travel and Dark Diamond Entertainment, the Mad Max Mix, and Mad Max's Wednesday night special mix of music at madmaxmix.weebly.com. Larry Saucer, thank you for everything. Man, the lunch was great over at uh, uh, Pier 6. I think they put extra shrimp on our plate. Man, that shrimp was outstanding at Pier 6 in the Mac in McClenny, about halfway between jacksonville and lake city that's going to do it for the teal shirt report podcast this has been episode show number 61c and a little bit of of a college football encore how did florida state do it man they won that game in the third quarter florida state laid the wood to lsu in the second half the florida state seminoles 45 the lsu tigers 24 lsu coming down to earth a little bit but i think florida state's in the top five they're in the top five for the first time in quite a while. This has been the Teal Shirt Report Podcast. Thank you for listening in to the Teal Shirt Report Podcast Network. You guys have a great day. This has been episode show number 61C. On our next podcast, we'll have episode show number 62 coming at you. So keep it right here on the Teal Shirt Report Podcast. Thank you for listening. Hey, got to got a pop. Pop in here real quick with an encore. I may have mentioned much earlier in episode show number 61C that Terry Bowden had retired. The uh, son of uh, Coach Bobby Bowden, longtime coach at West Virginia and Florida State, of course. Uh, Bobby Bowden, you know, the big part of his career was uh, being the head coach at Florida State. One of his sons, well, he had a couple of sons that coached, but, uh, you know, when Terry Bowden coached and Terry played for his dad at West Virginia, when Coach Bobby Bowden coached at West Virginia during his real early days as a head coach. But uh, Terry Bowden had uh, coached at Auburn, coached at North Alabama, and I may have mentioned something a little bit earlier in the podcast that Terry Bowden had retired. No, he's not retired. I did a little bit of research Terry is still coaching. He's 67 years old. Uh, he's coached. He's been a head coach at Auburn, North Alabama, and now he's at Louisiana Monroe. Terry Wilson Bowden, 67 years old, the son of the late coach Bobby Bowden, who coached for many, many years at Florida State and even before that at West Virginia. Terry Bowden actually played at West Virginia for his, his dad. So Terry Bowden coached at Auburn as a head coach, North Alabama, and now Louisiana Monroe since 2021 to present. We got to congratulate Terry Bowden. He did win a game. Louisiana Monroe, the Warhawks, defeated Army 17-13 to back on September the 2nd. Now, I was a little confused. Some of these Louisiana schools have kind of confused me over the years. Um, Louisiana Monroe is not to be confused with Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, where Coach Billy Napier coached at before he came to Florida. Um, the team that Terry Bowden, the school that Terry Bowden uh, coaches, is the Louisiana Monroe Warhawks, 
Um, uh, by the way, uh, ULM, the Louisiana Monroe Warhawks, they've had 15 head coaches since its first season of senior college football in 1951 at what was then known Northeast Louisiana State College and nicknamed the Indians. They got away from the Indians, are now known as the Warhawks, and not to be confused with the school that Coach Billy Napier used to be the head coach of, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. So we just wanted to kind of update you on that and kind of correct myself, Terry Bowden is not retired. Yes, he's still coaching. Once a coach, always a coach. And um, Terry Bowden is coaching at Louisiana, at Monroe, and coaching the Warhawks, and they actually beat Army. That was a big win for Louisiana uh, at Monroe. Louisiana Monroe 17, the Army Cadets 13, back on September the 2nd of 2023. Pretty close game, but a big win uh, for Coach Terry Bowden. We'll talk more college football on our next episode of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. And, of course, we'll be talking about the Jaguars. They open the regular season this coming Sunday, uh, September the 10th. The Jaguars presently about a a four-and-a-half-point favorite in the game at the Indianapolis Colts. Kickoff at 1 o'clock this Sunday afternoon. Again, at uh, 1 o'clock up in Indy at Indianapolis. The Jaguars a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I do know one of my, my sources and contacts seem to like the Colts to win this game. Let's hope not, right? Jaguars need that opening victory, especially if they want to, you know, propel themselves toward that record I predicted for the Jaguars. I predicted the Jaguars to go 11-6. and six on the regular season here in 2023. The Teal Shirt Report has been eloquently produced by our executive producer, JC, also by Alex Nunry. want to thank our correspondent and contributor and, of course, our supporter, John Gaylor. Thank you so much, John. want to thank uh, David Martin for all the semi-pro football info he provides to us. And want to thank each and every one of you for listening in. Um, I want to say hello to everybody listening in Bobby Eyed. Hello to Bobby Eyed. Um, CJ Foreman. So many people that tune into the podcast. If we miss you this time around on the shout outs, we'll catch you. Um, you know, certainly next time around when we, you know, do some shout outs uh, in the future as well. I want to thank David Martin for helping us with semi pro football results. I'd mentioned David Martin's name a moment ago. Uh, I want to say hello to Terry Gore from up in the Georgia area who covers a lot of indoor football as well. And he's in our BigJReport.com Facebook group. Uh, TJ Trahe, special hello to you. And again, our contributor, correspondent, and supporter, John Gaylor. Thank you for everything in, you know, certainly helping us. Um, also want to say hello to uh, Andy across the pond, really good friend of ours. I, I, you know, I know I've corresponded with Andy. We've even sent him a couple of gifts around Christmas time. He loves Christmas. And um, I want to say a very special hello to Andy, you know, who lives. He actually lives in uh, Wales. Andy gave me his new address in Wales. And really nice guy. I give you a kind of a, I won't give you his whole address here, here on the show. But he did move like a couple of years ago. And um, let's see, Andy is, um, 
Let's see. Andy is now in um, Newport, um, South Wales, in England. Newport, South Wales, England. You know, that's UK, of course. Um, so, yeah, he's in... Uh, is that Dufrin, Dufrin, Newport, South Wales, in the England area, UK, of course. Andy Powers, thank you for listening to us across the pond. And hopefully we'll do some more shout outs in our next podcast as well. Thank you guys for listening in to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. This has been episode show number 61C. Been a lot of content in um, 61a 61b and now 61c you guys have a great day and again hey thank you for listening in to the teal shirt report podcast episode show number 62 coming up real soon in just the next few hours in the next few minutes or tomorrow whenever you tune back in we'll have more new content for you right here at the teal shirt report podcast and again thank you guys for listening